Welcome. You're listening to sermons and talks from Providence Church in Brisbane. We believe that God speaks to us through His Word, the Bible. So we pray that as you listen, you'll be encouraged and challenged to love Jesus and live for Him. For more information about Providence Church, please visit our website, www.providencechurch.com. Let's read Genesis 2, 2 to 15. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had sprung up For the Lord had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he had put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havila, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Father, we do thank you for your word and we do thank you that you speak to us through it. And as we approach it today, help us to humble ourselves before you and how uh, you call us to, to work and to work for your glory ultimately. And we pray now, Lord, that your spirit will uh, move our hearts, help us to come with, with, uh, with alertness, help us to come with focus, help us to come uh, wanting to hear and respond to it uh, in a way that, uh, uh, in, in a way of obedience, essentially, to, to follow Jesus, uh, our, great, our great master, our great boss, as we, uh, as we think about work in the world. We want to pray for that now uh, in your son's name. Amen. Uh, I don't know about you, but in the last, um, say, five years, everywhere around me, I keep seeing posters and memes and, and stuff about the hustle, right? You can go to the gym and you'll see posters about the hustle. You go on Etsy and there are posters you can buy, frames about the hustle. Uh, but I just Googled it the other day just to see what comes up, all these inspirational quotes, you know, Google the hustle. Here's a few I found. Hustle until your haters ask if you're hiring. That's pretty, that's pretty empowering, huh? Good things happen to those who hustle. Let's keep going. Without hustle, talent will only carry you so far. I like this one. I've got a dream worth more than my sleep. Really healthy way to approach life. Uh, and this last one, I'd rather hustle 24-7 than slave 9 to 5. I don't know how I feel about those. Um, But you can tell, can't you, that the hustle is a very uh, recent thing, a recent phenomenon, and I think there's a culture about it, the hustle culture, where we're surrounded by quotes like this as if this is the ideal. Hustle 24-7. You don't need to sleep even. Because you want to achieve your dreams, you've got to hustle. 
Uh, we're surrounded by quotes and social media and people telling us to empower, that, to empower us uh, to live the hustle life if you want to reach your fullest potential. If you want to achieve your dreams in this life, then hustle. Don't be left behind. I got... Um, you can, you can take that off. Uh, I, I got onto Urban Dictionary, all right, to get a definition for you guys, because Urban Dictionary is always good with definitions. And it says this, to strive headstrong and voraciously towards a goal. That's what the hustle means. Now, I was born in the 80s, okay? And um, growing up for me, now you know how old I am, growing up for me, the language of hustling is really to make money through illegal means. You hustle someone, right? So you, uh, you know, selling drugs or whatever, you, you go down the street and you hustle. Uh, but today we use the word hustle in everyday speak, don't we? It's this idea of work. Uh, what are you doing today? Oh, I've got to work. I've got to, you know, I've still got to hustle. What have you been up to lately? You know, the usual hustle, work, sleep, eat work, whatever. We hustle to make money, don't we? We hustle uh, to, make, to, 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 to have that lavish lifestyle. We hustle because we want the expensive holidays. We hustle hard and we play hard. We hustle because we want to keep up with the Joneses. We don't even know who those Joneses are. And if you ever meet them, tell them to lower the bar. But you know, the, the Joneses tell us, they're the people on social media. They're the ones who tell us, just hustle a bit more and you can have a life like theirs. Those social media influencers. Just hustle. We, we go into this world uh, thinking, if I just hustle, I can obtain the happiness that they have on the filtered screen that we see. If I just hustle, I can get to uh, have status and be recognized. If I just hustle, I can get to the goal of early retirement. If I just hustle a little bit more, I can have financial freedom. If I just hustle, all my dreams and ambitions can be realized. Hustle today, find my freedom tomorrow. You see, the hustle culture, right, is such a recent phenomenon and it's flooding our social media. I read a blog recently, it says the hustle culture has, has come as a result of being flooded by social media posts promoting the hustle, motivational quotes to tell us to pursue our dreams and posts from our friends or influencers that showcase their projects, their business ventures. And isn't that so true? Social media really glorifies the hustle culture. This wasn't a thing 50 years ago in our parents' generation. You know, you work to survive. You've got a job so it can pay for the roof over your head, clothes on your back, food on the table. If, you're, if you've got a job, you stay in that job. Job is a job. It gave you security. Uh, the narrative today, though, for our generation Y and Z yeah, has been what? Hustle and work so you can fulfill your potential. That's why you hustle. That's why you work, to feel fulfillment in your life. It's a very different angle, isn't it, of how we approach work. That's the narrative we're told. So we jump from job to, to job, from career to career, because we're trying to find a job that will give us a sense of fulfillment and satisfaction. And if the company, of, you know, if the company offers sleeping pods and slippery slides, that's a bonus, right? We work and we do overtime, we do side hustles, we do investments, and we, we say we're busy as if it's a badge of honor now. We tag our late nights in the office with a picture and we say, hashtag the hustle. And we've cut off that, this identity in our work, and we've done that, and we've birthed into uh, like this culture into existence, haven't we? If you just hustle, you'll find happiness and meaning. <sighs> Is any of that actually good for us? What if you don't ever reach your potential in life? What if you don't achieve your dreams or accomplish things that you set out to do? What if you fail in the hustle? You fail in success. You fail in reaching those ambitions and goals. Why do we keep saying goals? What if you reach them and what happens after that, after the hustle's over? What if you, uh, what if you, I don't know, what if you never reach your fullest potential? It sounds exhausting, doesn't it? And let's be honest with ourselves. No one goes into work on Monday and says, thank God it's Monday. 
man, the hustle culture pretends as if work is such a great thing, but it's all just a facade, isn't it? And aren't we already seeing the results of the hustle in our culture? There's such a high rise in anxiety with Gen Y and Gen Z. There's burnout. And instead of a midlife crisis, we always hear about the quarter-life crisis instead. Just this week, I got a message from one of our church uh, regulars here who said to me, uh, Mikey, I, I feel really burnt out from all my commitments, from all my side hustles. The hustle culture has created a burnout culture. This isn't how God design, designed work for us. But let me acknowledge something, right? We're in Brisbane. You guys live in Brisbane, right, most of you? And we're so chilled in Brisbane. And unless you're part of a big company or you're a startup or you have side hustles, our workplaces really reflect a chilled culture, don't we? Most of you guys aren't hustling. Uh, I have friends in Sydney who are hustling, and, and friends do, I do have friends in Brisbane who are always hustling. Um, but most of the people come to Brisbane to escape the hustle. Uh, and the hustle culture might not reflect your situation at all. And while you might not have bought into the hustle culture, you still feel the drag and misery of work, don't you? Uh, we all are hustling for the weekends. We're all hustling for the holidays, for the RDO. And you wonder, like I do sometimes, how much longer do I have to work? You count the days till your next annual leave or your long service leave, the years till that. Uh, we spend 90,000, on average, 90,000 hours of our lives working in a job that sometimes feels mundane and pointless. And we keep asking, why? Is this it? Is this my life now? Spending hours of my short life in a job just to pay the bills? Is work purely just a necessary evil for our survival? We gotta, we're asking all these questions as we approach work. We're all seeking that work-life balance. Where do I find that? And, and we're asking whether we love our jobs or not. And, and we all have to admit that work will have an impact on us. Work does take up a big part of our lives. It impacts our physical, mental, and emotional health. That's why we need to talk about work. That's a long introduction to get our head into this space. But for the next four weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to uh, ask how should we approach work or the hustle as God designed it for us. Today, we're going to figure out the why of work. Next week, we'll look at how we approach work. The week after that, we're going to think about how we integrate faith and work together. And on the last week, as we get towards our Christmas holidays, we're going to think about uh, rest, work and rest. And that's going to be really uh, good as because I know many of you guys have said this to me or think this, uh, I'll rest when I die, right? Just keep hustling. I know some of you guys think that way. Sometimes I think that way. Um, but let's have a healthy approach to work. And I hope these next four weeks will help that. Um, you'll need your Bible say, let's get through it. Let's get into Genesis 2. So we're going to get an understanding of how work is good as God designed it. Um, but our work is also cursed and frustrated. Let's get into the why of work. Uh, I'll read again some of these important verses, just from uh, verse 2. So after God created the world in seven days, we read in verse 2, by the seventh day, God had finished the work. We've got this on the screen as well. Uh, he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he'd rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Firstly, we need to see this. God works and we work. We need to see first that we have a God who works. He speaks the world into creation and that is his work. In chapter 2, the parts uh, that were read by seeing that God formed a man out of dust. He breathed life into his nostrils. We read that God planted a garden in Eden, made all kinds of trees grow and, and rivers flow. He did that. He worked. God got his hands dirty and worked the ground to form the world he was creating. That's the language we hear about God and work. Now, this is really interesting. This should be really interesting if you uh, studied history, ancient history, and you think about the uh, ancient cultures that existed during this time. 
the beginning of the world. Think about the ancient Near East cultures like Babylon and Mesopotamia. What did they think about creation? Their stories. You can go into museums and, and read about this stuff. Or go on Wikipedia and read about this stuff. But for the ancient nearest cultures, the way they talked about creation was the gods didn't want to work, so they created human beings to do the work for them, right? The gods were too good for work. They created and molded humans to take care of the earth because they didn't want to deal with it. The gods, uh, you think about ancient Greeks as well and, and the, the whole generation of philosophy and knowledge, the Greeks and the Romans. Um, they talked about the gods on Mount Olympus. You guys know about Zeus and all that, that mythology stuff. Uh, the gods didn't work. Humans did all the work. And you know what was a really uh, a work to aspire to? It's, it's to be the philosophers, it's to be the, 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 the ones who have knowledge. That's a noble type of work. The material world, that was... Um, if you, you worked with the material world, uh, worked with your hands, got your hands dirty, that was dehumanizing. But to work with your mind, to do work with philosophy and poetry and all that sort of stuff, where you don't get your hands dirty, well, that was noble. That was more godlike. That's what the Greeks and Romans taught. And in many ways, the Greeks and Romans, they've shaped the way we think about work today, haven't they? Right? And that's why we, um, we, we glorify the work where people use their brains more than the work where people use their hands. We call it white-collar jobs and blue-collar jobs. It's, it's, it's all shaped by what happened in these ancient cultures. But let's rethink this. Isn't all work good? What do we learn in Genesis? We learn that God got his hands into the dirt to form man and plant trees. He was very much involved, and, it's, and, and he continues to work. He continues to stay, sustain and maintain the world. So we read later in Psalm 104. He makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the sky nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The land is satisfied by the fruit of his work. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth. Psalm 104, years later after creation, right? We're still recognizing, the psalmist recognizes that God is still working, at work in his creation. He's very much a worker. If God doesn't continue to work, what will happen? We won't have a world to live in. Droughts, famine, floods, all that would be a lot worse if God didn't continue to maintain the world that we're, we're living, if he wasn't involved in the world. You know, it's, it's really amazing because what God does is he waters the earth, he causes plants to grow, but then what happens? He uses human agents to continue the work. So farmers will grow crops, truck drivers will deliver food to supermarkets, supermarkets will stock food that end up on our tables. God looks after the world through human agents as well, the people who get the food from the farm to the table. Uh, the Protestant reformer Martin Luther said that the human agents are the fingers of God. And it's through the process of work and humans who work that we can see God at work caring for and loving his creation, loving us. We would see the end of humanity, wouldn't we, if God wasn't still involved with the work of the world, if he didn't send the rains uh, upon the, the fields, if God didn't sustain it, if he wasn't involved. Let's see that first about work. Work in itself is a God thing. It's a God characteristic. It's part of who he is. He was there at creation and his work was good. And we know it's good. Because even the Son of God, Jesus himself, he comes into our world and what does he do? He works, doesn't he? We know him as a carpenter's son. He was a carpenter. He was a tradie. He worked with his hands. 
Yet what Jesus also does is he works with his mind as well. Like there's, no, there's no differentiation. He was a teacher. He went around teaching the scriptures to people. And I love that, that he was both white-collar and blue-collar, if we want to use those terms. I don't like using those terms, but that's what he was. He, was a no, he had a job that was a knowledge-based one and one that was, uh, got his hands dirty as well, a labor job. I love that. Throughout the Bible, we see God who, who shows, us, shows us himself as a gardener and a God who shows himself as a carpenter and a God who shows himself as a teacher. And so God shows us his work, and in itself, we can see that the goodness to it. Right? Work is actually designed to be good. So that's what we're seeing in uh, creation, in Genesis. And, and, and if remember in Genesis 1, what does he say about human beings? Men and women, we're made in, we're not made to look like animals, we're not made to look like lions or bears or dogs. We're made in God's image, aren't we? We're made to reflect God, to rule and steward the earth. That's what chapter 1 talks about. And so here in chapter 2, verse 15, if we're called to image God, to reflect God, verse 15 that, that we read earlier, it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. God works and we work. We're told man, Adam, is put in the garden to work and remember this is all part of a good creation. Imagine that. Imagine being in the garden of Eden at the beginning. You'd wake up and you'd go to work with joy because they work alongside God. It wasn't toilsome, it wasn't exhausting, it wasn't sweaty or stressful. You didn't dread Monday coming around. They would wake up on a Monday and say, thank God it's Monday. Work in the garden was good. It was purposeful. It was meaningful. It was joyful because it was designed in a, to be uh, for us as a reflection of God to work. And we can see the goodness that comes out of working too, can't we, even today? We feel the elements at times. Some of you guys love your jobs, which is great. Even though we, we might feel them being mundane at times, we can all identify there's a, there's a pleasure, there's a, a goodness in work at times. Think about, how, uh, you, you, think about how you work. Think about how at creation, what God does at creation is he creates order in the chaos. And don't we love creating order in our works? You know, if you're an accountant here, you bring order to the chaos of spreadsheets. You want things to balance Lawyers, you bring order to the justice system. Doctors, you bring order when our bodies are ill or injured and out of order. The teacher, you bring order through education and giving knowledge. The, the engineer engineers solutions and brings order in the chaos. The architect brings together different materials and ideas and forms them to create order through designs. The fashion designer uses colors and styles and textures and materials to create order to become the latest fashion. Consultants, they problem solve. The musician, they they bring together music and, and, and lyrics to, to make a melody, and music for our ears. You, can, you know what I mean, right? The, the stay-at-home mom, the stay-at-home dad, your job is to change nappies, to feed your baby, to grow and, and bring order to your household. There's a delight in all those things, isn't there? There's a delight in creating things. There's a delight in order. There's a delight in seeing results. We all feel that sense of achievement when we see the finished result, don't we? We all feel the goodness of work at times. I know some of you guys, well, I know at least one person in the room who still plays with Lego as an adult, and that's great and all, but you know the feeling, right, of finishing putting that last block on your Millennium Falcon, whatever it's called, that you've taken forever to build? You've crocheted a scarf. You've baked a cake. You've mastered latte art in your coffee. There's a good feeling in the process of creating and bringing order, isn't there? That's a God thing. 
that feeling of creating and bringing order, innate in all of us, it's so basic, but that's a hint, an element, that element of pleasure, of satisfaction. We're reflecting God because work is good. You know, I think there's something in all of us. We've got to acknowledge that, that when we work, we create order out of chaos because the God who created did the same. Work is designed to be good. Now, I, now, I'm saying work is all good and all, but there, of course there are work, there's work out there that you shouldn't be involved in. There's work that is bad for creation. Uh, I'm talking about you know, work that is illegal, work that exploits creation, abuses others, people involved in sex, traffic, sex, tra- sex trafficking, slave trafficking, pornography, prostitution work. That, that work isn't good. We've got to admit, we've got to acknowledge that. But when it's work that God gives us that reflects Him, we've got to realize that work, uh, that, that one work isn't better than another. All work is good. Right? And as a ro- an implication of this is, is, is that we can't, uh, like the Greeks or Romans, that we can't say one type of work is better than the other. Knowledge-based work, if you work in an office or a clinic, it's not better than working outdoors with your hands. Through God's providence, love and care for creation, he creates people who are good at different things. Good at cleaning, good at being factory workers, good at being truck drivers, good at being farmers, good at being doctors, good at being engineers. We're all designed differently with different opportunity and God wants us to have different work and that's a good thing because together we serve creation. Together we make the world work. So we need to reshape firstly how we see the hustle, how we see work. God worked and we work. And no matter what work that it might be, it has a dignity and worth to it whether you're using your head or whether you're using your hands. We need to appreciate work. Now, there's a reality we need to acknowledge as well. Work is frustrating, isn't it? Work sometimes feels futile. You go to the book of Ecclesiastes, we looked at it last year, and we remember everything is vanity, 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 vanities. And you approach working, you know, why do we work all our lives and when we're just going to die one day? We feel the futility of work at times. Why? Well, let's go to Genesis chapter 3. We didn't read it earlier. You can read it in your Bibles and follow along. I've got it on the screen, really small, but you can read in your Bibles. Just from verse 17, it says this. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow. You will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. You see, while work was designed to be good at creation, as God intended, we can see that there was a fall. We call it the fall as Christians. Sin entered our world. There was rebellion against God. There was a rejection of God. And so what was designed to be good is now not good. God has cursed it. God has deliberately frustrated our work because of sin. We see two things, don't we? God curses work. It becomes one, difficult and hard. Yes, we'll still produce fruit. We'll still see results. But the process of producing fruit of, of our work will be toilsome. It'll be labor. It'll be very hard. You'll be sweaty, whether physically or mentally. You, we've all felt the stress of work. We get stressed by work, stressed to perform well, to please the boss, to make, uh, meet targets, to make clients or customers happy. We feel stress about that, produce outcomes that are up to scratch. Uh, even just the thought of making ends meet with and making money, that makes our pits sweaty, doesn't it? Put food on the table, it's, it's going to take hard work. But secondly, 
you'll also be frustrated. In the garden, right, the garden of Eden, work was, you know, work produced good fruit. But now due to the fall, work looks like, often like thorns and thistles. No matter what garden you're in, in this world, right, there will be thorns and thistles. Your work will at times be frustrated. It is frustrating because of sin in the world. We all know what that feels like, don't we? Anyone who's ever done a group assignment at high school or uni, you know how frustrating it is. Think about the amount of time you've worked for a client uh, and you perfect it and you're so happy with it and they come back saying, I hate it. I'm not going to pay you for your time. Or the patient that you spent hours with helping to have better health, but they're not willing to make changes to their lifestyle. The customer who decides that they'll take their business elsewhere, even though you've been over backwards for them. The class lesson you've prepared, helping the students understand a complex idea, and you're so excited to teach them in these fun, creative ways, but then the students that day decide they, don't want, they want to play up instead. No one wants to listen or appreciate your hard work. We all felt that frustration. The hours that we put into preparing a presentation for the boss, and the boss says it's rubbish. It's frustrating, isn't it? We all want to create, we all want to invent, we want to excel, but we're often left dissatisfied, frustrated, feeling like our work is futile. Vanity of vanities. Yeah, the, the design for work was good, but now it's just a necessary evil to survive. You know, I'm asking all these questions because think about this. Isn't this why the hustle culture exists? Why this has been birthed into existence? We've created the idea of the hustle because our generation is sick of the futility and the frustration of the nine-to-five, aren't we? We hustle because the current situation of work is frustrating, mundane. We want to achieve some, uh, and we want to achieve this elusive dream, out of reach dream. It's really interesting. You go back to the uh, early 1900s um, in the industrial era, sort of thing, when um, when Ford automobiles came about. Henry Ford, I think his name is, who started the whole Ford industry, uh, cars and everything. He was the one who started the assembly line. You know, so you've got people who are craftsmen of their work and everything, and then they get put into factories where they're just doing the same thing every day on an assembly line in a factory. And, and you can understand that over the last hundred years, we're like, man, is this what work is like? Just screwing the same screw all day. You know, being in just part of an assembly line. We've lost our creativity, haven't we? And of course, there's, that's why we birthed the hustle. We want that freedom. We want to reach that dream. But we all know the hustle itself comes with frustration, doesn't it? Ask anyone, anyone who has a side hustle. Ask anyone who's working for themselves, who's their own boss. It's hard work. I've got a friend who's, uh, who's a social media influencer in Sydney. You know, social media influencers, their lives are always, you know, filtered, and it's always about, it looks like they're always having fun on a beach for some reason. Uh, and they take photos of everything they do. Uh, they've got to promote every brand. They've got to, you know, and, and, and I talked to her, and she's, and she's like, it's tiring. It's exhausting. It makes my life all about work. Uh, the, the hustle has thorns and thistles as well. The dream itself is always brighter and more glamorous than it really is. And there's this famous quote by the actor and comedian Jim Carrey. I think, you know, people who grew up in the early 90s would know this. I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. A guy who had it all, dropping some wisdom on us. Let's be honest with our humanity. Let's be honest with our mortality before we burn out, before we have a nervous breakdown. Let's be real and step back and see everything in this life will only be temporary. Yeah, you might achieve that dream, great. You might have that, uh, that dream of independence, work-life balance, financial security, but then what? 
I was speaking to another friend in his late 30s, not working, surviving, not sure of thriving. He says he's keen to get back into the workplace. He's been out of work for a while. And he's telling me he's, he's, his brain is turning into mush. There's only so many video games you can play every day. He's bored. Let's be honest, you might build your empire. You might achieve. You might get that status that you've always wanted. You'll find, though, when you get there, there's another mountain to climb. You'll get there and you'll realize it's really overrated and lonely. And ultimately, at the end of the day, you, you and I, we all have to accept something. Something that, uh, that Genesis, 2 is really, Genesis 3 is really real about. We go through this work, we put all this work into their projects, the products we design, the students we teach, the company that we build, and it all comes to an end at some point, doesn't it? Whether it's a pandemic like COVID. I mean, last year, I think, um, I had friends who lost their jobs because of the pandemic. They worked in flight center, and flight center cut 4,000 jobs. Uh, I read the international tourism industry lost about a trillion dollars, according to a Forbes article I read. Things don't last. Your patience that you care for, sadly, will still one day pass away. Your big project will one day be forgotten. Meta won't be a thing forever. Apple won't be the leading global tech leaders in the future. Everything will come to an end. Your career won't satisfy you like it did when you started off. Pandemics will come, financial crises will hit, your business might go under, you might be made redundant. And guess what, if that's not hard enough to hear, hear this, you will age. Sadly, I know you feel like you can live forever right now. You will all age. I'm aging right now, this very moment. <laughs> that job you worked in all your life will be handed over to someone younger and sharper than you. I know you all want me to be the pastor of Providence forever, but I might not be. So I'm going to have to hand it over someday to someone younger and sharper than me. More relevant. <sighs> and there's a chilling statement here in chapter 3 that we all have to accept. For dust you are, and dust you will return. You see, we'll never be fully satisfied from the work, from the hustle. And I know many of you are. I know many of you are currently in your dream job. Your work is like your hobby. You enjoy it so much. You're happy to hustle even on the weekends. It gives you excitement. It gives you energy. I'm so glad for you. It's a gift when you can enjoy your work and praise God for that. Uh, but let's not overrate it too much. <laughs> I spoke to a real estate agent once and she was working on a Sunday and I said, wow, you work really hard. And she said, Mikey, I haven't worked a day in my life. And literally, at that moment, I, just, I tried so hard not to roll my eyes. I was like, are you serious? like quoting some sort of meme to me, like some sort of hustle self-empowerment thing. Sure, sure. Praise God if you find so much pleasure in your work. Praise God if you're enjoying the fruit of that. But while that might be true now, what might give you pleasure for a season, it will never completely or eternally fulfill us. We don't inhabit the world of Genesis 1 and 2 anymore where work was fully good. There are the consequences of sin that affects our work. So while everyone will just tell you to hustle and be happy, you'll be happy, let, let's have an alternative as Christians. Let me give you an alternative thinking through how we approach work as Christians under God, knowing it's good and knowing it's been frustrated. Firstly, I want to invite you to see Jesus at the cross. You see, when Jesus comes into our world, he comes to work, right? Yes, he, come, he came to do ordinary work as a carpenter, but he also comes to do the painful, extraordinary work of dying for our sin. Think about it. He took the crown of thorns, the nail in his hands and feet. He does the bloody work of sacrifice so that you and I could be reconciled with God. 
He pays for our sin. That's the work of God. That's the work of Christ on the cross. He accomplishes something that you and I will never be able to achieve on our own. He gives us an eternal peace, an eternal security, even an eternal, a sense of eternal success before God. The very things that we want in this life, that we're all striving towards. Before God, we are already accepted the way we are. Through faith in Jesus, because he did the work for us. Come to Jesus and see that. While there are real uh, stresses of impressing our clients and our bosses, what if you operated from a place of acceptance already, a place of security? We hustle for the dream, and the dream is one of success, of acceptance, of status, recognition, whatever it might be. But what if that's already fulfilled in the eyes of the one who really matters? Wouldn't, cha- wouldn't that change the way you approach work? God is already impressed because of Jesus who covers you. Let the gospel of grace and mercy speak into the way you see yourself and how you approach the hustle. Yes, we all need to work, right? Work was good. Design is good. It's necessary for our survival. But whatever work you're in, work well because you operate from a place of acceptance rather than anxiety, rather than stress, rather than insecurity. You don't have to hustle 24-7 and lose sleep. We can let the gospel of Christ speak into your life. The gospel that tells us we have eternity with God. I hear people say all the time, I need to hustle now so I can have more time later. Bro, you don't even know if you'll live tomorrow. You know, one of the things that God promises us, we don't need to worry about more time later. We have eternity. We have to accept that we are limited in this life. We have to live within those limitations, those boundaries. And maybe that's a good thing, that God gives us boundaries, that he gives us bodies that need to sleep so that we can look to him, so that we can see that we actually have a future hope, so that we can see the one who is in control when we're exhausted. You see, the hustle is exhausting. Our generation is the burnout generation. We don't want to accept that our bodies are fragile. We don't want to accept that we only have 24 hours in our days, seven days a week. But God puts limits and boundaries for good reason. It's okay. Because when we see those limitations, we're pointing back to God, aren't we? There's this sort of hidden blessing in the curse. This blessing uh, from the frustrations and futilities of work because when we're frustrated, we come before God and we see, God, I'm thankful that you're in control, not us. We're led back to God. And from there, we can function from a place of peace and rest, trusting God, knowing your dreams are already realized because you have eternity in a relationship with a God who gives us really freedom and success forever. That's the first thing. Secondly, work and hustle knowing whatever work we do, it's important. We play a role as God's fingers in this world. If we recognize the reality that God is the source of every good and beautiful thing, we can then start to see uh, his work regardless of the hands that perform it. Behind every uh, advance in medicine, every beautiful painting, every toilet that's cleaned, every nappy that is changed, what we see is God providing for creation through people, through human agents. You and I, we play a role in sustaining God's world through our work. And some of our guys, we talk about the the FIRE movement, right? Financially independent, retire early. That's a thing amongst our generation. I hope if you even, even if you're, you know, I don't care if you're trying to do that, but even if you do achieve that in your life, I still hope you'll find opportunities to work. Because when you approach work with a gospel lens, work is so much more than just putting food on the table and job satisfaction. While the hustle is all about you, as Christians, we can hustle and work to image and reflect God in this world and thus make it about Him and the work He has called you and I to do. 
right? Our work is an offering to God. Our work is an opportunity to glorify His name, not our own. Our work is an opportunity to to show the world around us that we work from a place of security because God has given that to us and He's the God we work for, not for ourselves. Dorothy Sayers, she's a poet, a late author from the uh, early 1900s. She writes this about work. What is the Christian understanding of work? It is that work is not primarily a thing one does to live, but the thing one lives to do. It is, or it should be, the full expression of the worker's faculties, the medium in which he offers himself to God. Isn't Isn't that just such a twist on the way we see work? It's not about us. We can work for the glory of God. Yeah, and I think that's where we want. That's I think that's where human flourishment comes. We think the hustle will help us to flourish. We think it'll help us. Uh, you know, if, uh, if you really want to, uh, but it, but if you really want to thrive, play your role in God's world to work, and in doing so, sustain and steward the world that God has called you to work in. He's called you to your work. Now, in, in future weeks, we're going to have more implications and applications to think about how we approach work as Christians. But today, I just wanted to lay those foundations. How do we see work? Why do we work? Why is work good? And then the frustration of work, how can we uh, redeem that, the way we see work? But before we finish, I want to uh, give you another quote, right? Some people, we need these inspirational quotes to get through life. You know, our friends who aren't Christians, they put these posters on, the wo- on their wall to get out of bed. If I hustle 24-7, I'd rather hustle 24-7 than be a slave to 9-5, right? We see these on the, in posters thinking that it will get you to get out of bed in the morning. But maybe uh, we, need to, we need to reframe the way we think about work. Maybe you need to put a Bible verse on your wall instead. But here's a quote you can frame. Put on a post, though. It's a really long quote, though. It's from C.S. Lewis, from Mere Christianity, his book. C.S. Lewis, who wrote Narnia. He says this, Christians are not born with the desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger. Well, there is such thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there is a such thing as water. Men feel sexual desire. Well, there is such thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Let's keep going. Earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. If that is so, I must take care on the one hand never to despise or be unthankful for these earthly blessings, and on the other, never to mistake them for the something else of which they are only a kind of copy or echo or mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, heaven, which I shall not find till after death. That's so powerful, isn't it? Do you see what he's saying? We should be thankful for the gift of work. It's an earthly blessing, yes, but let's never mistake the hustle for something that's only an echo, only a mirage. Work, your hustle, the pleasure, delight, it will never fully satisfy you. We're wired with the desire. We want to seek after that satisfaction. We're never going to get it fully in this life. You and I, as Christians, though, who know God, who believe in God, we've got eternity stamped in our hearts. That satisfaction for your desires to succeed, to achieve in life, it will be fulfilled. It will be realized in the heavenly world to come. So friends, let's operate from a place knowing Christ, what Christ has secured for you. May the hustle be motivated by God because he's given you a lasting and more purposeful reason to work, to work for his glory and not for our own. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being a God who gives us a a greater purpose in the way we work. Thank you for showing us Jesus who did the greatest work for us. He dies for our sin. 
he was our substitute. He does the work on the cross so that we can come before you, so that we can have a seat at your table, so that the debts, the debts can be paid for and we can have a relationship with you. We're so thankful for Jesus, Lord. And as we think about the work that Jesus does for us, help us. Um, may your spirit encourage us to see how that shapes the way we approach our nine to five, as we approach the hustle, as we approach our work day by day. Help us to come from a place of peace, operating from a place of, of security and success, knowing that we already have that in you, in Jesus. I do pray this, Lord, for our church, for all of us here, as we think about work, as we approach work. In your son's name we pray. Amen.